Welcome to the Year of the Movie podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies from the year of the movie 2023. If you want to know more, go to our Patreon. I'm Sebastian. I'm Maggie. And with us today, as always, we have Bryce in our video booth corner. Say hello, Bryce. I just woke up. <laughs> and we have a we have another special guest, mm-hmm. the same special guest as the last special guest we had, our good friend Sean Braley. Double special guest. Yep. Uh, he's back because uh, he's actually seen the movie we're talking uh, yeah. about today. Yeah, I was just like, why don't we just pick a movie I've seen because I, I don't <laughs> like following orders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fair. So. That's fine. You make your own rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the movie we're talking about today is Asteroid City, which Asteroid is City. Wes Anderson's movie for this year at to the day of this the day that we're recording this mm-hmm. i think his short film thing it hasn't been released yet the anthology thing yeah yeah it hasn't i, don't I, think I so. thought it came out today oh i mean i could be wrong but i thought it came out today well, well we haven't seen it yet at yeah, least that's true we yeah. have not seen it but so we're talking about asteroid city mm-hmm. yeah yeah why did we start this podcast show <laughs> <laughs> why did we start it yeah why did we start why, why did you start the podcast in general not yeah this yeah. specific one okay. not this episode but the, uh, like the show 2023 is a weird year for movies and mm-hmm. uh, there's all these like weird things happening in the industry there's a strike there's, it's like post pandemic we're figuring it out and uh so a lot of weird movies have come out this year and i just want to say i think it's a brilliant idea oh thanks bud <laughs> i just think it's great <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean that's pretty much why we started this podcast yeah. it's a goofy year uh maggie do you have an example of a goofy movie that's come out this year or is going to come out uh, this year? i have a spreadsheet of 190 movies that have Fantastic. come out this year how many episodes will that be <laughs> two um yeah uh, let's just look at the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, do you remember got... that Air came out? The movie about oh, the, yeah. the Michael Jordan show? Yeah. Uh, it... Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret oh, came out yeah. this year. Uh, Bo is Afraid. Big George Foreman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going in alphabetical order, in case you can't tell. <laughs> Dumb Money. That comes out this year. Dune mm. Part 2 was supposed to come out this year, but it'll come out next year. So, so we don't have to talk about it, thankfully. So we don't Chicken have Run, to. Dawn of the Nugget, which I am stoked about. I, yeah, I am also same. stoked. I'm very excited <laughs> about it. Uh, Fast X, Ferrari, uh, Haunted Mansion, Inspector's Son. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a car year, isn't it? Yeah. A little Ferrari, bit. Fast X. Uh, Meg 2, The Trench. That's a car movie for sure. For sure. I was thinking of Gran Turismo. Oh, but, Gran Turismo. Mm. But sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it, like you said, Sean, it is kind of an odd year for movies. A Mission Impossible movie came out this year. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you think. 65. <laughs> really 65 yeah. came out this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned Air before. I, isn't it weird? Like this year, it feels like... Like there's air, and then there's the Blackberry movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I feel like there's George more Foreman, Tetris, Tetris. Yeah, yeah. All these movies that are just like ma- Barbie. Is Barbie, like yeah, that's the big, big one. one. Yeah, it's just like named after a brand, and it's just like, yeah. Now yeah. we're just making movies about the products that we mm-hmm. use. Yeah, You've gotta find ideas somewhere. They just look around the house and just like, yeah. <laughs> you know that Rubik's cube, huh? Don't give him ideas. <laughs> there is already the <laughs> pursuit for happiness. Mm. That's kind of Rubik's Cube esque. Now the one that we'll get is uh Furby. Oh Furby. Yeah. yeah. I hope 
that it'll be like a gremlin situation where they acknowledge like mm. the creepy factor of it. Yeah. You'd hope so. Yeah. But I I do <laughs> hope so. <laughs> do you think that Furby is too close to a gremlin that it's already like skirting the line so then if they made a movie it's kind of like they're in the territory of I mean, I don't think they could do the whole don't get it wet or feed yeah. it after midnight thing. I think it would be like a sort of Five Nights at Freddy's thing. Souls of children will go inside the Something. Furbies. It gets haunted. And yeah. Then, I can know. see that. It just continually Because those things talk yeah. years after. Mm-hmm. And they talk in gibberish, yeah. at least to what we know. Maybe they're speaking like... Oh, they have a language for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so today's episode <laughs> is about Asteroid City. And Furbies. <laughs> Our pitch for the Furby movie. Yes. Uh, the synopsis for Asteroid City is, world-changing events spectacularly disrupt the itinerary of a junior stargazer slash space cadet convention in an American desert town circa 1955. Those were a, a lot of big words. I think you can tell that it's a Wes Anderson movie because it uses the word itinerary. Yeah. Mm. That's that is a very Wes Anderson-y word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what were your first impressions when you heard about this movie? I was excited. I mean, Wes Anderson, you know, is Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. He's one of the greater filmmakers of our time, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Just in the sense that he is doing something that people hadn't done before. He's very distinctive. So, yeah, and it seemed like there was a sci-fi vibe going on with this one, and I like sci-fi, so I was excited. Mm-hmm. Sean? Uh, yeah, I was super excited. I mean, Wes Anderson's one of my favorite filmmakers, and I saw, like, I remember st- seeing Steve Zissou in theaters mm. when I was 17, and that's, like, one of the moments that I was just like, oh, movies are, like, can do whatever they want. Like, yeah. it can be... Like, this is a very unique voice. And uh, so I think that um, just anytime he has a movie coming out, I just am very excited about it. So then the premise also sounded interesting. And then when I saw the cast, I was just like, I'm just so fascinated to see people like Tom Hanks and Steve Carell mm-hmm. in a Wes Anderson world because it makes perfect sense once you hear about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His cast is always great and yeah. just absolutely stacked. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so kind of talked about this already, but are you a Wes Anderson fan? Yeah, I'd say so. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I know that when uh, my grandfather watched this movie, mm-hmm. he texted me asking if I had seen it yet. And I was like, no, not yet. I'm a little behind. And he was like, hmm, do you like Wes Anderson? And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. he's a good filmmaker. And my grandfather said, I can tell. He can tell that you have that you Wes like Anderson. Him? Yeah, me like he was like your films. I c- I can see. Well, that's a compliment uh, like, then, right? It is. I I don't know if I see it in terms of direction. Right. I think some of our writing probably yeah could be similar to like that style, but I don't know. I'll that's, take it. But yeah, I'll take it. It's not an intentional influence. I don't think. Yeah. Sean, you obviously said that you like Wes Anderson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maggie, do you like Wes Anderson? I do. Um, I think the first one I watched was Fantastic Mr. Fox. I remember getting that at the library on DVD, um, being really interested in it, mm-hmm. and just like the style was so completely different from everything else that I had seen. Um, I'm trying to think of like what the first one that I saw that I knew was a Wes Anderson movie, and I think it might have been Moonrise Kingdom. And then I've seen Life Aquatic. That's a 
I, I like that one a lot, just mm-hmm. the vibes in general. And then Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, I haven't seen a couple of the newer ones. Like, I, I missed French Dispatch. Yeah. Um, I purposely didn't see that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it, it, make, it takes a lot of convincing for me to watch a movie he's in. Well, he's only in, like, a segment of the movie. Well, and they, they ruined it. He was in a lot of the promo. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they're like, who's hot right now? Yeah. yeah. Timothy Chalamet. Timothy. This little angular child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bryce, I know that this was your first Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. Baby's first Wes. Would you say, based off of this film, without giving spoilers, that you are now a Wes Anderson fan? I enjoyed the kind of absurdity mm-hmm. of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was... It kept me entertained. Yeah. I, I will say, like, and this maybe gives away, like, some of my feelings. So this wasn't maybe the best Wes Anderson film to start with. Mm. Um, just because of how the story works in this one, it's not quite... You really have to rely on Wes Anderson being Wes Anderson, I think, in this well, film. Okay, I said that very <laughs> underwhelmingly. I did really enjoy this movie. <laughs> I, I genuinely did. No, that, yeah. Uh, it meant to leave you with questions yeah and it certainly did that yeah no i agree uh, but it was also very pretty i like the yeah. effects that he chose to use with it uh and the stargazing space cadets line got me every <laughs> time i'm glad they stuck with that joke yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> well uh before we start really talking about the movie we always talk about the trailer mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh sean why do we talk about the trailer <laughs> That one I don't have a <laughs> nice, robust answer for. That's great. Neither do we. <laughs> I feel uh, like it changes a lot. Yeah, it changes quite a bit. Uh, we talk about the trailer because we can't show it mm-hmm. legally. That's a big one. Um, I also feel like uh, because these are newer movies, then uh, it's. I think it's always interesting when you go back and hear about other movies, like how they were first received and how they were first marketed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So trying to do that now with current stuff uh you know be slightly intentional with that and then also there's just not a whole lot to talk about as much as like the uh in, in terms of like not spoiling yeah, like, yeah. yeah. and in terms of like the the legacy of the movie or whatever yeah, yeah. it's been months versus years that this yeah. has been out mm-hmm. um also sometimes the trailer versus the movie is different wildly different like uh, the, the movie somebody i used to know it's also a maybe you haven't seen the movie or haven't really heard much about it you hear the trailer and you're like, oh, that sounds good. Then you can go watch it and then come back and finish this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little, it's a little win-win. We're flexible for, like that. Yeah. <laughs> you tell, you tell us when you want to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you want to? I think it's your turn. Oh, is it my turn? Okay. Yeah. Let's begin with the trailer. A tow truck pulls a station wagon up to a garage and we briefly see the driver in a phone booth with four children positioned outside the booth. There's a split screen as the driver, played by Jason Schwartzman, Talks to a man on the phone, Tom Hanks. The two speak. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. We see a shot of the car's slight explosion. The driver continues, come get the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. And the images of his children flash on screen. Back to a split screen, and Tom Hanks says, I'm not their chauffeur. I'm their grandfather. Where are you? Jason Schwartzman says, Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. And we get images of the family unloading the car in this tiny desert town. The movie title, Asteroid City, comes up over a train moving through the desert while the song Last Train to San Fernando plays. 
We see a large crater and a ceremony held inside the crater with a general giving a speech over images of the young scientists being honored. Junior stargazers and space cadets, each year we celebrate Asteroid Day, says the general. We now get images of Asteroid City's inhabitants in the assembled crowd. The speech continues, commemorating September 23rd, 3007 BC when the arid plains made Earth impact. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. When the arid plains made Earth... No, okay, yeah. The general gestures toward the ground, and we get a close-up of a small asteroid kept in a cage on the ground of the crater. The music comes back up. There's another shot of one of the junior scientists using a ray gun and disintegrating its target while the crowd politely applauds. We now see the driver and his kids in a diner when the whole place shakes and a mushroom cloud forms off in the distance. We hear someone say, Holy Toledo, that's Midge Campbell, with a close-up of Midge Campbell, played by Scarlett Johansson, getting out of a car. The driver takes a photo of her at the diner, and she doesn't look super amused. We see Midge talking to another woman outside of a communal shower who tells her, you're very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel who gets amnesia and becomes a, pa- a pediatrician. Midge thanks her in response, you know that may have been my favorite character I've ever played. And the other woman says, I don't know why nobody else liked it. And Midge says, oh. The music changes to a more twinkly track with a title card with Wes Anderson's name and credits over an image of the crater at sunset. We see inside a scientific center, and Woodrow looks at a piece of flashing equipment and asks, what do those pulses indicate? And a scientist, played by Tilda Swinton, responds, what? Oh, the beeps and blips? We don't know. There's shots of the stargazers and their families in the center at night, while another woman says, some of our information about outer space may no longer be completely accurate, and the camera tilts up towards the night sky. Narration continues with a woman, uh, Maya Hawk, teaching a group of kids with one raising his hand uh saying anyway there's still only nine planets in our solar system as far as we know billy the boy puts down his hand and says except now there's an alien and we see a shot of everyone in the crater looking up at a spaceship coming down just above them flooding the place with green light there's a shot of the general again at a podium asking his aide what's happening now uh and the aide responds i don't know we see officials in hazmat suits examining the crater. The driver talks to Midge between their motel rooms saying, I don't like the way that guy looked at us. Who? The alien. How did he look? Like we're doomed. She pauses for a second before saying, maybe we are. The music changes again to another western. I forgot to look at the title of this song, but it's it says Freight Train a lot. Freight Train! Freight <laughs> yeah. Train! Freight Train! As the general walks into a room of scientists and soldiers together saying, I've just informed the president. Cut to the mom of one of the stargazers asking, how long can they keep us in Asteroid City legally? And we get several images showing a military quarantine has been established, isolating the small town. Woodrow tells his dad and grandfather, the world will never be the same. A girl in a Girl Scout-like uniform uh, has a psychological evaluation responding to images on flashcards quickly, and she says, that's an alien doing jumping jacks, that's an alien in a top hat. There are more images of Woodrow in an observatory and talking to his family, saying, What's out there? The meaning of life? Maybe there is one. There's another conversation between Midge and the driver. She asks him, are you married? He says, I'm a widower, but don't tell my kids. Then a shot of all four kids together and Woodrow asking, you're saying our mother died three weeks ago? His dad responds over an image of a Tupperware container being buried in the dirt. Let's say she's in heaven, which doesn't exist for me, of course, but you're Episcopalian. The kid's grandfather walks up to his granddaughter's with his narration in my loneliness i've learned to give complete and unquestioning faith to the people i love 
This continues over images of the various characters, including the teacher with her hands in prayer. The grandfather continues in front of the garage to his son-in-law. I don't know if that includes you, but it included my daughter and your four children. Cutting to an image of the family hugging. There's a shot of a carnival with several space-themed signs, and a girl says, Sometimes I think I feel more at home outside the Earth's atmosphere. And we see it's one of the astro astro astronomers speaking to Woodrow inside the observatory as he responds, Oh, wow, me too. A uh, man, played by Steve Carell, uh, then asks a group of the other par parents, They're strange, aren't they? Your children? With a brief shot of one of the kids jumping off a roof. Back to the group of adults, he finishes, Compared to normal people? The parents all respond, Yes, that's correct, it's true. He nods and makes a hmm noise before the cast credits begin to roll over images of a train. It continues for a while because the cast is massive before cutting back to Midge and the driver with Midge saying, I do a nude scene. Do you want to see it? The driver is silent for a few seconds before saying, huh? Did I say yes? She says, you didn't say anything. And he stutters. I meant yes, but my mouth didn't speak. The movie title Asteroid City comes up again over the desert in the studio credits as the music fades out. It's a longer description because they pack a lot into that trailer. Yeah, it's Wes Anderson, so they do a lot of quick. Yeah. Um, like we were saying earlier, this is a very typical Wes Anderson vibe. If you like his stuff already, you kind of know what to expect by now. Um, so this is for you. Um, the movie specifies later on that this is 1955, but in the trailer specifically, it just kind of sets up this is a Western and sci-fi, so kind of the retro futurism vibe. Yeah. Um, you know they're always... testing the bomb based off of the trailer, so like you get yeah approximate. Yeah, you see a mushroom cloud, you see a kid on a jetpack, you see another <laughs> kid with like a death ray essentially. Yeah. Um, and then like everyone is in very very nice fifties outfits and <laughs> everything. Uh, a lot of characters, so and then characters. there's a lot of detail about their lives already in the trailer. Like you already find out a lot about Jason Schwartzman character and his whole family. They're a big part of the movie. You kind of get some background of like Scarlett Johansson, uh, and then you just see like all the sprinkling of all the other characters throughout the whole thing. Uh, and then a decent amount of the narrative focus is on the alien. Um, yeah. I'd say that's the biggest difference between the trailer and the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I was, uh, I don't know if I, I think I might have seen a shorter trailer than this one at some point but i didn't really see a trailer uh, and i feel like that gave away more of the story than i would have been happy to have given i know away. i yeah. saw this trailer um but i know when they released the poster i was like yeah i'm sold because yeah. it's wes oh, anderson totally. i would have already yeah I, didn't <laughs> I don't know if i watched the trailer until going through it to do this gotcha. description um I and mean, I don't know if I did that intentionally or if I was just kind of like, it's a Wes Anderson movie. I know I'm going to see it. I don't yeah. need to see the trailer for it. Um, I do know this is the official trailer. I think it was the first one that came out. Um, and then because I've done these descriptions a couple of times now, then this is a two and a half minute trailer, which means it's going to be a much longer description yeah. than like yeah. a minute long uh, teaser trailer or something. So, yeah, it does give a lot away or hints at a lot. Um, I also notice like with... A couple other movies that we've done recently um of course somebody i used to know is the <laughs> biggest like trailer talk thing that i yeah. can think of but like i noticed in this movie or for this trailer they didn't do the thing of like splicing a bunch of lines together to make things like i wonder mm. what's gonna happen they just 
showed the whole line as it appears in the movie and a couple of different ones that we've talked about by now uh definitely try and make things more suspenseful or like up in the air i mean i imagine that's just because wes anderson's scripts are so precise they're very precise and i also feel like um this movie like it has a plot but you don't that's not the part that like gets you interested in the movie. that's not what you're watching yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah well and it doesn't even explain like half i mean we're going to talk about the movie and the plot eventually but like there's a whole it doesn't even touch on Uh, so many entire framing device of the movie (laughs) uh so i guess before we get there we can talk about the cast yeah the cast is wild yeah because i mean obviously it's wes anderson and like the casts are always like really good um but this one i felt like it kept going it just kept going to the point of like true cameos like, sometimes, like, you hear about people, like, oh, they cameoed in this episode, and then they're there for, like, the entire episode. It's not a cameo, right? Yeah. Like, Jeff Goldblum is, the, is the like, the big one that I, yeah. like, think is a yeah. cameo. Because, it like, in the credit, it says Jeff Goldblum, and he is in, physically, he's two, in the movie. <laughs> two scenes. Yeah. Two very quick shots, one of yeah. which he's in the background, and his eyes are covered. Yeah. Right? So, you can't even tell it's him. Yeah, it's like, it's really interesting that Wes Anderson is at a point in his career where, like, just being in one of his movies is enough of, yeah. like, a, a draw that it's, like, truly Oscar winners are doing b- extras yeah. roles. It's like, I yeah. don't care what it is, I just want to be in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Obviously, like, we mentioned some of the cast already based off of the, the mm. trailer with Jason Schwartzman being in it, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks. The general is played by Jeffrey Wright, who just is so good mm-hmm. so good um brian cranston is in it edward norton is in it jake ryan grace edwards my hawk rupert friend ethan josh sophia lillis jeff goldblum um isn't steve carell steve, steve, steve carell matt dillon matt dillon yeah tilda swinton swinton yeah. yeah um the, oh, the leave schreiber leave schreiber, schreiber is in it which is was like yeah. yeah i was like who is that I uh, yeah I always Stephen forget Park. he's one of those um, actors that I never like I know the name and I know the face and I never put them together yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just looking at the IMDb now to see if we missed any other people Willem Dafoe Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe. yeah it's Sophia always... Lillis did we say Sophia Lillis we did yeah. okay yeah which is uh, we've talked about Sophia Lillis in both episodes that Sean has been on <laughs> yep she's in Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> yes that's i only watch movies with yeah. her in it um the oh margot robbie margot robbie oh yeah is a true cameo in true this. that is a true um, yeah. margot robbie was in it yeah. yeah 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 um we'll 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 get there we'll get there. i don't want to spoil for people watching yeah um oh that was her oh, yeah sorry. <laughs> so, so uh the the driver guy woodrow is a teenager his oldest kid and then he, he has the three triplets uh andromeda pandora and cassiopeia and yeah. they are played by real life triplets ella gracie and will and ferris <laughs> nice <laughs> just thought that was very fun because I, I didn't piece together that they were triplets i was just like yeah those are girls i didn't of the actually piece age. it together either yeah no because they were different triplets, heights but i love the names yeah, yeah. Like, um yeah. obviously if you're a wes anderson film f- uh, fan sorry Wes Anderson fan. <laughs> if you are a Wes Anderson film, then good job. What did you do to yeah. achieve consciousness? Yeah. If you're a fan of Wes Anderson, then you know that typically um, Bill Murray is in his movies. And you'll notice 
we did not mention him in this one he was supposed to be in this movie um but got covid yes and then was recast uh, by steve carell yes and i have more on that later when we get to the production facts because he stuck around <laughs> yeah i know about yeah 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 uh yeah massive cast everyone's everyone's very good in it yeah. um i think scarlett johansson has been highlighted the most there was some award nomination that she's already been given hmm. for a uh, best supporting actress interesting uh which i feel like I think everyone, I guess besides Jason Schwartzman, everyone else is kind of cast as supporting actor yeah. or actress. I don't, I was just thinking about like award category wise because the cast is so massive and it it does highlight everyone, mm-hmm. but like no one's necessarily the protagonist like this. Yeah, I guess Jason Schwartzman yeah. would be the closest yeah. to that. Since um, did we mention uh, the director of the guy who, why can't I think of his name? Uh, Adrian, Brody. Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. Yeah. yeah. And Edward Norton. I mean, that was, yeah. Was yeah. List, yeah. Uh, Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. Yeah. Was... No, we didn't. Adrian Brody's also here. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yep. it's like, he's usually in Wes Anderson films. <laughs> and, <laughs> and did we see any Wilson brothers? I don't remember any no. Wilson brothers. No. Because uh, I looked one. in the credits too to see if yeah. they wrote anything, but not for this one. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. So that's the cast. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive. They all did well. I mean, it. <sighs> I don't know if I've ever seen someone in a Wes Anderson film not act the way Wes Anderson wants. Yeah, they kind of are a different person usually. When yeah. yeah. So, like, I mean, that's, you know, good you job have, on his direction. When you have, like, mm-hmm. Edward Norton, who, like, you watch something like Fight Club or The 25th Hour. Yeah. And he's just, like, this hard ass. Like, I mean, at certain <laughs> yeah. points. And then in yeah. a Wes Anderson film, he's like, I went to the store today and I bought peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also impressive because Edward Norton is known for, like, trying to get things on set his way yeah. and like doing a bunch of rewrites and stuff like that and i feel like that's impossible to do on this yeah. set <laughs> yeah it's a very specific vision and mm-hmm. um i think he just yeah. needs someone who's crazier than he is and i don't mean like crazy in a bad way i just mean like maybe someone who's he's thinking bigger yeah thinking bigger. yeah <laughs> yeah uh it of course looks great yeah it's a very specific wes anderson look um they shot in spain basically they just looked for like the flattest area they possibly could and it was in spain and then um there are some miniatures that they use for the set but mostly for like set construction pre-production stuff and then everything else is built on location um so they essentially built their own tiny little town (laughs) yeah (laughs) and put up um like rocks and uh cacti and stuff like that yeah so it was very funny watching the um, behind the scenes videos and just seeing Wes Anderson in a little golf cart. <laughs> just me, me. Trying, yeah. Just going through his little town. Yeah. His corduroy suit. I feel like mm-hmm. even just hearing that, I mean, again, we still haven't talked about the plot just yet, but like yeah. even hearing that adds to like the meta narrative, like the idea of it just yeah. like yeah. being, they built the city and state. Like, I don't know. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll um. So yeah, like it looks great. Mm-hmm. And obviously like the colors were very specific Mm -hmm. but i was watching it and i still kind of felt like outside of you know everything being symmetrical or whatever and specific to wes anderson that it didn't really look as wes anderson-y as some of his films have i think because it's so open it's so open and from what i understand because they were in the middle of a desert they just used the sunlight they didn't like have like a bunch of yeah like controlled lighting and i just feel like because of that it's still i don't know i liked that it looked 
more realistic Mm -hmm. than some of his other films that are just like so specific in its color grading yeah um i think like the most if i think about like a controlled wes anderson environment then i've just seen the most behind the scenes stuff about grand budapest hotel Mm -hmm. and how they turned an old department store into that hotel and the whole process doing it on a relatively tight budget yeah it's very interesting um but then the i saw an interview with the production designer where he was talking about like the way that they built sets or like with the specific camera angles and the uh, aspect ratio in mind of like this needs to be a square and they're going to turn the camera so the square has to be right here <laughs> and like being very precise yeah. with their uh placement of everything and because this is just like big flat land in an isolated environment mm-hmm. like you get those shots still but the environment i guess is yeah uh that's fair yeah i uh think that it is interesting that he would do that because when they're they're stepping out of the narrative of like the asteroid city mm-hmm. that's when it's supposed to be like real life and then it's like more like a play mm-hmm. yeah and then like the fact that he's like using the cinematography to portray like okay this is definitely me like the shots are centered yeah. they're on a on a tripod usually like they're stable mm-hmm. but uh it does have more of like a a little bit gritty or whatever yeah yeah look i think moonrise kingdom kind of does when they're like traveling like when they're camping Mm. and stuff Mm. but outside of that yeah it seems like he normally is it just feels very clean yeah i agree Mm -hmm. what's next uh so it's uh not we've kind of we've kind of mentioned or hinted at the framing device of the movie so it's it's not structured as a regular movie where like you watch it and it's just like here are the events that's happening um it has a framing device it's a so it starts off brian cranston is the host and it is a tv program that is about a play called asteroid city and then they are showing dramatic reenactments of the making of the play and then the like actual shots of what we were talking about of them on location in spain and everything that is the play being shown (laughs) in movie format um there it's, is it's a confusing just just talking about it <laughs> yeah but like i like with the trailer they show no sign for this trailer at least i think they do that's in some that's of the true. later ones okay so this is the only trailer that i have seen yeah and they show no sign of there being another movie in this movie in, yeah. in terms of like in this trailer all you see is when they are at asteroid city you never see when they are behind the scenes or in this brian cranston tv show yeah uh, I feel like the only hint that I got that things were stylistically different was like, I feel like I remember seeing a shot of Brian Cranston in the black and white, mm-hmm. but then I didn't necessarily think that it was Asteroid City because like the French Dispatch also has a lot of black and white. So yeah. I think I just like saw that. It's like, sure, whatever. And didn't think too much about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember seeing Brian Cranston too. And I just felt like it was, I thought it was just going to be like a thing where they cut to him as like a framing device of like this is what asteroid city like as he's just explaining mm-hmm. yeah like, the town yeah because wes anderson does that a lot too where there's like yeah. a narrator kind of character yeah that's um which he was... kind of is but he just uses it in more yeah uh, he crosses over the fourth wall within itself yeah it's, it's yeah which is really interesting um there's a a review I think I have a quote from later from the Roger Ebert website, but he talks about like that framing device that he normally uses of like 
um, the reviewer said, I was talking to my wife about what I was about to go watch and we were debating if it was going to be a yes or no, like narration or not uh, to set up everything. <laughs> and he was like, this was a yes and no. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then a, a more concise description from an interesting article from Tor.com that was about this movie. Um, it says, in essence, what we are watching is a TV documentation of the creation of a play that presents itself as a movie, but with play-like scene and act breaks, the layers of the narrative abstraction are mind-boggling. Yeah. 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 Which I, I always kind of thought that Wes Anderson's movies were play-like. Yes, like, for sure. Like, he's very much, he's a playwright that makes movies. I've definitely used that description before. Yeah. When and talking I, about I, his stuff. I felt like this one specifically, and I, like, we, I mentioned this when we watched the movie, but this one to me felt like the closest thing to a modern day Shakespeare mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. especially with all the meta-ness and like talking to the audience and crossing over and just like how specific and goofy it was yeah and, um I don't typically like Shakespeare <laughs> I also thought Shakespeare when we were watching it um but like I mentioned to you last night then like the only real reason i thought of that was because if there's any kind of framing device of like this is a story within a story then my brain associates it with rosencrantz and guildenstern are dead because that was the first thing that i read like that in high school Mm -hmm. (laughs) so this came on like saw it happening was like got it rosencrantz (laughs) (laughs) i think another reason why i thought shakespeare was like because in shakespeare like you have the main couple that you're following throughout the whole thing and then other people start pairing up and it wasn't like that drastic but like uh, uh, out of nowhere the two kids kind of like not out of nowhere but like two two kids started being like we're boyfriend girlfriend and it was sort of like an oh and like in shakespeare like that stuff happens like kind of off stage and and, like someone like has a one-liner of like ah yes she and he saw each other at the store and locked eyes and fell in love and like it was like oh okay (laughs) classic shakespeare meet yeah (laughs) (laughs) off screen yeah yeah um Another thing with the like the the two teens that like become a couple, they do establish like they're they have a lot in common. Yes. Um and then I also in different reviews and stuff, I saw it originally people were thinking of this as like a, a coming of age movie. Um mm. I don't know if I see that, but I guess I can see why they say it. I think the thought of that at least in the initial press of like when it was announced in 2020 or whatever Mm. then people saw a few images and they were like oh moonrise kingdom but space now yeah and this doesn't really do that um the framing thing also gets pretty granular with the um like behind the scenes too there's that interview that i watched with the production designer Mm -hmm. it's a vanity fair uh thing um, and he's talking about various movies and it starts with Asteroid City. And he was saying that the that framing device continued when thinking about sets. Um, and he specifically talked about the writer's study um, and how detailed it was and how they have to think about it and how it's going to... Uh, not just thinking about like the textures of things, but the colors because they knew this was going to be in black and white. And also you can make things more dramatic one because it's a wes anderson movie but also this is a this isn't a real place but it's the dramatic reenactment of the real place so you can make it more theatrical to fit that vibe uh so i thought that was interesting that they were like not only is this a wes anderson movie this is a a goofy wes anderson movie (laughs) i guess did did we specifically say that like when they're showing what's happening in the play in the form of the movie when you're in asteroid city it's in color 
and the aspect ratio is like 2.39 roughly i don't think we've mentioned that and then when when we're seeing like brian cranston talking about it or like the behind the scenes like the play about the play or whatever yeah that's roughly four by three and black and white like Mm -hmm. it's an old 60s yeah tv program um but then there's a part where things are getting hectic in asteroid city and we're seeing that in in our color view Mm -hmm. things are getting hectic and jason schwartzman's character just stops and says i don't understand right and then like he walks away and then in the cliffside there's just a door that he goes through and then it cuts to him leaving a door in the black and white view Mm -hmm. where brian cranston is looking at the screen like he's still narrating but then he looks behind him and he's like what are you doing yeah and then it's like so it's like this weird cross of like brian cranston is on this show and we do know that like the other actors are there but it's still like there's a divide there that they haven't really crossed yeah until now where they basically cross all of the divides in one fail it swoop. escalates to that a lot and then there was one brief moment before that where it's the scene that's in the trailer of um midge campbell scarlett johansson's character and um the woman who plays sophia lillis's mom and she's telling her about all the stuff that she likes her in and like her various roles and then they just pan over and brian cranston is standing there yeah. and then he's like i'm not supposed to be here am i and then he walks off and In then the it color just goes, view it's, it goes so funny yeah. That yeah they barely like acknowledge it and yeah it's not like the other those characters like even say anything they're just mm. like and then they just yeah. go back to like, like yeah it's like he else. accidentally walked out on stage yeah. you forget that it's but a, like there's not play. actually a stage because this is supposed to be a tv program right it's supposed well this is the color is supposed to be the play so when like stuff like that happened then i read it as like oh this is a dress rehearsal where people are missing their cues a couple of times um and then i don't think we've also mentioned yet but people are technically playing two characters yes in Mm. the movie um because it's uh jason schwartzman isn't just augie steenback he's augie steenback and the actor who plays augie steenback and it cuts back and forth between everyone um like in asteroid city in the play and then also the behind the scenes making of process of people in various relationships you get hints at a lot of different stuff um edward norton and jason schwartzman as the the writer and the actor apparently had a relationship and it's just like you get one they kiss at one point they kiss at one point and then you never see the two of them in the same room after that but also wouldn't it wouldn't it be that like Jason Schwartzman is Augie Steenbeck, but is also an actor playing the actor who plays, right? Because it's the TV program. It's not the actual play. This is a TV program about the making of. Yes, because this isn't a documentary. This is a right. dramatic reenactment. Yeah. So it's. So it is a TV program about the play. So there's the three levels. Yeah. It's Jason <laughs> Schwartzman, the man in real life, playing an actor who has been cast in a dramatic reenactment of an actor <laughs> yeah. who is playing Augie Steenbeck. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What was that quote? So the layers it, of narrative abstraction are mind boggling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know that we've gotten enough into the plot. Uh, we've talked about the plot mechanic, like the, or the plot. Uh, yeah. yeah. But like, that's my next bullet point is happening. Next, next, next is plot. <laughs> next is plot. So yeah. if you don't want like big spoilers, 
Leave. Leave. <laughs> but if, you, if you're good, keep on watching. Let's talk about this wiki wiki wild plot. So the, <laughs> the rough plot of the Asteroid City play is um, there is this like awards convention for these young stargazers. Um, and then there is going to be a scholarship that's given out to one of them. And that, so they're all there to the town to get the award. And then they're in the crater about to have the award ceremony. And then the alien comes down in a spaceship. Um, it collects the asteroid that crashed thousands of years ago. And then it leaves. <laughs> it poses for a photo. And then it leaves. <laughs> um, and then they're in a military quarantine for like a week and then the alien comes back like as soon as the quarantine is lifted and drops the asteroid back off and then people freak out because they're gonna have to be in quarantine again and then it's lifted basically immediately and people just leave and then there's a lot of things up in the air about like which relationships are going to continue outside of this which ones were just for like basically convenience of location um it's also like I guess more specifically about Jason Short or Augie uh, and his grief of his wife just dying, mm-hmm. or he just she died three weeks ago and then he has to now tell his kids about it because he didn't know how to. Uh, yeah, they keep saying like it's about life in America and infinity. <laughs> infinity. I, I yeah. did like that they did in a way tell us at the beginning that this wasn't going to go anywhere with the one of the first shots being of that ramp that yeah. Yeah. finished yeah and i was like it, i didn't get it until the very end i was like oh, okay that they were trying to tell us at the beginning that yeah. this wasn't going to go anywhere yeah you know? there's like a a highway on ramp that like was just started and then it stops immediately and it says like closed indefinitely on the front because it's like yeah. it was not clear where it was going to go cause and i is... i figured that was like not a real ramp like you know like maybe it was there but it wasn't like actually sturdy or anything like it was just like cheap material yeah. mm. apparently jason schwartzman would always sit up at the top i uh, wanted a shot of someone sitting up <laughs> he, he would sit up at the top uh in between takes and mm-hmm. he was like that was my secret space that no one else knew about that's nice yeah <laughs> uh yeah so the i guess the framing device then is like a pretty big part of the plot element of the rest of the movie because like it kind of i don't know it i guess it turns into like what what is art or i don't know there's a lot of questions and unknown stuff well augie uh the so the final the character that we're watching in asteroid city augie played by jason schwartzman uh, or the actor playing (laughs) whatever uh the artist he's a photographer yeah, uh, mm-hmm. he's the one that takes the photo of the alien. So there's this moment, but he also makes that connection with Midge, uh, who's the actress that everybody's like fawning over. Yeah, uh, and also takes a photo of her mm-hmm. in a scene where she's supposed to be nude in the scene. She's not in the photo, mm-hmm. but like that's also like there's these moments that are tying together like all the different characters' identities within their yeah. They're also their uh, professions. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. they're like either playing the part or capturing the part or whatever but then also the kids are there just because it's like this camp where because they're geniuses and yeah they're there to 
Yeah. Aren't they going to like win an award or a grant or something? Like they, Each of them is a, given some sort of award, and then one of them is going to be given a $5,000 grant or a scholarship. Um, and then the, the alien keeps interrupting the ceremonies so that yes. ne- it's never officially awarded. But then at the basically the final scene uh, with Augie's family is then like he and Tom Hanks are like, oh, I wonder who won the scholarship. And then uh, Woodrow is like, oh, he gave it to me in the showers. He didn't want to like, he just wanted to get it over with or whatever. <laughs> and then we're like, what are you going to use it for? And he's like, I'm going to spend it on my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Who like was another one of the smart kids yeah. Yeah. there. But like, it, it was like hinted at that they were like kind of into each other. And then there was a scene where like they're making out and then it's like, we're boyfriend, when it, girlfriend. When it gets really chaotic, they make out. There's, um, a part where uh sophia lillis's character is like are you guys boyfriend and girlfriend and they do that kind of like middle school thing of like no we don't like each other like that what yeah. are you talking about uh but then there's like uh augie's invention is projecting an image onto the moon um and they're like what is the perfect thing to show the world and the universe of like we like what is the perfect image to send out and they think yeah. of like the american flag and a cross and a peace sign or something like that and then they just have their initials in a heart yeah and then start making out and it's just very it was I think that's cute. the closest it gets to like yeah. a coming of age story of yeah. just i was really hoping when they were like we don't know what to project onto the moon mm-hmm. that like at the end it was just going to be a smiley face i did too because the alien at one point when he poses for the picture he smiles and it's very much two dots and a little sm- like a little yeah. line that was yeah. curved and it was like that would be the perfect thing to put on the the universal symbol <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean if the movie in and of itself is like them all just trying to find answers and there are yeah. no answers mm-hmm. then, and then they're like what's the most important thing and then they're at this point in their lives they're like oh yeah the most important thing is like this romance that i have or whatever with yeah my. yeah they're definitely like um it's kind of a coming of age story i feel like almost in reverse because like they're treated as like very mature and like his mom's nickname for him was brainiac like he's a yeah. very smart kid yeah and then by the end like the the image that he wants to show the universe is his new girlfriend's initials and a heart (laughs) they even uh played a little more into that when the leave schreiber's one big scene uh was with the kid that he brought with him yeah his son is Is i thought they said that was his bodyguard (laughs) no that was uh scarlett johansson had a bodyguard Oh, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. Leave Schreiber had a, a that, child. That I assume scene was going quick. Yeah. When they were giving a whole bunch of exposition. <laughs> nah, yeah. That's and how his, Wes Anderson. His son is always just like, uh, you, dare me to, I, you dare me to do it. And he's doing things that nobody's actually daring him to do. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and then they, he, they have a whole conversation about why. Yeah. Why yeah. the dare thing. Yeah. And he just wants to be acknowledged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's, ve- it's fascinating because it's like, these characters normally if i'm watching a movie and then the characters say exactly what they're feeling then that's an annoying thing but then what wes anderson is doing by like having them say not just what exactly what they're feeling but what like the writer would be thinking about what they're feeling as he writes the scene and it's this like again all these layers removed Mm -hmm. as like if you just said that as like a 13 year old kid like it he just it would be out of character yeah but in terms of like i'm infusing this with also the yeah these layers Mm -hmm. i think that worked because the whole time leading up to that they weren't giving you anything yeah any clue just 
dare me to do this, dare yeah. me to do that. Right. <laughs> and then you're like, why? I thought just he was tell just tell me why. And then <laughs> finally, just the info dump. You're just happy. The info know. dump that's like really emotional, where he's just like, "I want to be acknowledged. I'm worried of not being seen or heard." Yeah. yeah. And then leave Schreiber and Steve Crow like, uh, "Okay, uh, I, I can dare you to do something." We we we. What what do you want us to dare you to do? And he's like, uh, "Do you dare me to go touch that cactus or to climb that cactus?" Yeah. Like, Absolutely like, no. not. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's uh. So things just kind of happen there is a plot it's kind of a loose structure it's very heavily tied into the um the framing device and then uh this is like it reminds you of this because there are title cards with the scenes like every every Mm -hmm. couple of scenes basically and it tells you like this is this is act one scenes one through three or whatever it's very specific about which part in the play you're at um, and then also within the play, then the lore isn't super spelled out, but it still makes the wor- world satisfying. Like, I feel like this is another thing we've talked about in a couple of different episodes. Um, our knock at the cabin episode came out last week and that was a thing that we talked a lot about and that of like, or it came out last week when we record are recording this, yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's like in that then there were a lot of things that were left up in the air, but in an unsatisfying way mm-hmm. of like, you're just not fleshing out this world enough. And like, I have mm-hmm. so many follow-up questions for everything that you just showed me. Yeah. And in this, it's just kind of presented to you to a point where you're like, fine. Yeah. There's a daily police car chase that's never talked about. Yeah. There's um, the Tilda Swinton in the trailer when she's like, Oh, the bleeps and blips. We don't know what that means. So many follow-up questions about like where that equipment came from and right. where it started and everything like that. Never talked about the alien returns the asteroid and they're just like oh it was inventoried <laughs> like it has markings on yeah, it yeah and the general's <laughs> like it was inventoried and like how do you yeah. know or then they have so many questions about the alien and they never find any answers no. of like at least the parts that we're seeing they don't find out where it came from or anything like that so they have so many questions about their own world yeah. and it's much more satisfying than unfortunately M. Night Shyamalan's take <laughs> yeah uh, yeah. I yeah. think I think the no explanation is fine, especially with Wes Anderson. Yeah, because I mean it depends on his movies, but a lot of the times, like the plot and what's happening isn't really important. It's the characters and like, yeah. what they do and how they act, and then like what they end up doing at the end is sort of the main thing. Yeah, there was um, I think in a couple of different reviews that I was seeing about this um not specifically about this movie but just as a kind of criticism about his career in general as people are saying like it's essentially style over substance of like it looks great but it doesn't feel genuine when then you try and have these really emotional moments but then in this one and then a couple of others they were talking about like Rushmore um as like being a really emotional movie I feel like Darjeeling Limited maybe a couple others of like his early career then they were like that was the perfect balance of like emotion and feeling authentic in this very stylized world and i don't i don't always agree with that (laughs) in the movies that i have seen of his i I feel like it's it's weirdly it's weirdly realistic the way that it works because so much of just people's conversations aren't the serious heartwarming emotional conversations Mm -hmm. there are a lot of just pitter-patter like nonsense that's never you're never going to remember this it's whatever and then you get that one 
weirdly emotional thing where you're like, oh, he, yeah. Yeah. And then it just goes right back to the pitter-patter. And, like, obviously his writing style is very specific in how people talk, but, like, it still shows just re- reality in that, just yeah. of how people I think actually there's, communicate. There's, like, a dryness to it that maybe yes. some people feel mm-hmm. like that is emotional detachment. But I think what it is is... Uh, it's just kind of a, a grounding and a style that he's going for where it feels like uh, in some way like Charlie Brown or like a New yeah. Yorker cartoon yeah. or something where it's like, I'm going to just like lay this out there, but it's not, I'm not going to have to like, I'm not going to Steven Spielberg it. <laughs> and I love Spielberg, but like, I'm not going to Spielberg it where I'm going to tell you every emotion to feel right now. Yeah, I'm going to kind of like let these characters speak and it's going to feel real like you're saying like even like sometimes they say things and it does sound dry but it's like well sometimes people just yeah like mm-hmm. you do say things like that but in a movie you zhuzh it up a little bit because you're like i want them to feel this emotion yeah the, the one that like i always think of with fantastic mr fox is when fantastic mr fox is like talking about his son mm-hmm. and like everyone talks about him he talks about himself this way and they're just like he's just different they always do the hand motions. They do like hand motions and yeah. it's really like they still like they're dry mm-hmm. and their emotion like because of how dry it is. It's like, are they being emotional or are they just like like waving it off? But yeah. like you can still feel just like, no, like that is just how you kind of talk about a kid who's a little off. You're yeah. just like, yeah, the kid's odd. There's no, yeah, right. there's no like <laughs> it's, nice way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And you have a way that everybody ends up being like, well, he's yeah. different. He's weird. Like, um, there's, I mean, we've, we've talked about like that whole monologue of like the, the do you dare me scene basically. And like, that's a very vulnerable scene for that character. Um, uh, but then <laughs> there's the whole speech that General Gibson, Jeffrey Wright gives mm-hmm. of, um, so weird. It's, ve- it's a very weird scene. But then if you yeah. think about it, then it's like, that's, that's so much uh there was one description that i read where it was like an inappropriate amount of detail is given about this man's life where he's he's honoring these kids and he's like chapter one of my life right and he goes through this whole thing of like i've lived through wars um my father died my father died Uh, yeah and then he ends it with like uh another thing of that where it's like huh where um it's this whole weird thing and then he's like if you wanted to live a boring existence then this was a bad time to be born or something like that and you're like oh okay <laughs> and then he's like anyway here's a giant novelty check <laughs> <laughs> like while he's doing it he's what speaks into his microphone is given another microphone in front of him to walk up and talk to that yeah and then in between him speaking he is walking away from the microphone walking back to it walking away again yeah and it's just uh, tilda swinton does the same thing you know later on yeah. whenever she's explaining these yeah. big important things and they just keep walking away which from the microphone. watching it i was like that why are they doing this but they're in a play yeah right, right. in a play yeah. you don't just you have weird stage directions yeah like when you have one emotion you go to this side of the stage when yeah. you have another emotion you go to this side of the stage and so like yeah how they did the audio of like you hear them very clearly uh-huh. when they're at the mic and then they walk away and it trails off a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah, no, yeah. i just thought that was fun the sound design was on point for this movie mm-hmm. um there's a road runner yeah that was also just like is it just a weird reference to like the Roadrunner, like from the cartoon the well, road runner i think that it is because i think that this like we've talked about already like the meaninglessness of life in some way like in a weird way this movie is like nihilistic and very hopeful it's like yeah. both elements and i think roadrunner and Ky- wiley coyote are like an example of that 
in this very absurd way where he's never going to catch the roadrunner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like that same, like, it's just this reminder, like, you're not going to have the answer like infinity like they talked about it's the highway that's not finished it's yeah. like life is i mean the, the whole movie is things that you won't you won't catch yeah. like roadrunner the police chase yeah the police can never catch yeah. the people in the hot rods the mm-hmm. yeah no, the whole thing some things are just not explained and you just have to yeah. deal with it the the nihilistic but hopeful thing i like because it's set in the 50s yeah when mm-hmm. i feel like that was such a big thing like and right we're, there, we're out of a yeah. war but now we're like maybe we're going back to a different war with nuclear bombs yeah. and, but then also technology is like ramping up in a wild way that we that's why yeah. i think retro futurism is so interesting it's just like it looks really cool and then the way that people use it sometimes it's like uh yeah. like the the whole fallout series is a very interesting game um and then like what they use with that and then there was that show that i really wanted to like that came out uh it's like uh, hello tomorrow hello tomorrow it was an apple tv show and it was like looked great 50s retro future but not it didn't (sighs) it just didn't make sense and it just wasn't great we watched the pilot and it like didn't it wasn't it just wasn't interesting which was really disappointing for like nothing about it was interesting yeah that's not why we're here no (laughs) but just that yeah aesthetic is a interesting tool um the alien the alien we haven't really talked about the alien a bunch um it's not i feel like when i heard about this movie i didn't really know that the alien existed i think partly because i didn't watch the trailer they specifically mentioned it in the trailer which i was surprised by when i was watching it again um they probably did because it's not an important part yeah but they were like but it could be that's what i i also think i didn't see that trailer at least because i was like I don't. I when I went into, the, I was surprised by the alien. Yeah. And that, I mean, I liked that I had that response yeah. to it, mm-hmm. but um, I don't think it's necessarily a spoiler. To yeah, it's not. It's not a spoiler that it exists, because uh, it's not really the focus of the movie as it happens. It's just another one of these scenes where, like, and now this is going on mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I like. I was interested, um, because I hadn't like actually seen the alien, mm-hmm. um, because I purposely didn't look at a lot of press for this movie i didn't i was interested to see like how they would present it just like physically on screen if it was going to be like a dude in a suit (laughs) or something like that and i really like the style that they did that's like the uh basically just fantastic mr fox style it fits with the wes anderson vibe um and then it switches as another part of the meta thing of Mm. like you then see jeff goldblum in costume right uh later on um and when the alien is first introduced then it comes down picks up the thing it kind of coughs or something and then it poses for the photo and then it goes back up and i was really hoping that was the only thing that the alien said because it's like that's great that jeff goldblum gets a whole credit (laughs) for a Uh, cough (laughs) i think that that cough actually wasn't jeff goldblum whoa um because i saw a thing that was saying that wes anderson did all the voicing for any of the cartoon slash animation thing that they mm. did so the roadrunner and the alien oh. i think those were wes anderson so there's a wes anderson cameo in this movie yes excellent um there yeah from that roger ebert review which gave the movie four stars um it says the new knowledge of the intelligent life elsewhere in the universe solves nobody's problems it just obliges them to stay in the desert for at least another week mm. like it's just it just happens like the kids have questions in yeah. uh maya hawk's class but they like everyone else around them even like scarlett johansson and uh augie when they're talking back and forth 
they're like do you feel any different he's like i don't feel anything she's like neither do i <laughs> like they're just which i think like i mean i'm not trying i'm not trying we're younger than you um but i feel like that is a thing with becoming an adult mm-hmm. yeah of just being like that happens i guess but like when you're a kid you just ask all these questions because you don't know how anything works and you're just like but what about this and what about this and what about this and then parents are like ah yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, paired with recent events where the government kind of hemmed and hawed, like, there might actually be aliens <laughs> and how no one really reacted yeah, to Yeah, we that. were just yeah. like, cool, we can't pay our bills, though. Yeah. 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 It's just like, I've, I've seen X-Files, actually. Like, this yeah. is... It's <laughs> not... <new>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a part of adulthood. I feel like Wes Anderson plays with this a lot, too, especially with, like, Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums, where... Mm-hmm plays i mean and moonrise kingdom where he's playing with the child yeah adult dynamic mm-hmm. and uh the children often are, are obviously very imaginative and very hopeful and very uh they have a lot of questions and wonder and curiosity and then the adults are just wrapped up in their lives mm-hmm. and so like uh, augie is obviously still grieving and dealing with that stuff so he just can't even process that because he hasn't even processed that his wife died yeah and midge is obviously depressed like so she's dealing with her own stuff and so the adults are wrapped up in that st- stuff while the kids are like can we have answers and then like maya hawk being this like christian like school teacher uh, is trying to give answers but you know like she's forcing it and then the like i forget the cowboy guy Montana. Montana. Yeah, he like yeah. comes over and then like helps out. This is if you're if you haven't seen the movie and just heard me randomly say the cowboy guy that there's another cast of characters there are that are cowboys, just cowboys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but he comes over and like explains like a thing, but it's not. It's just like him being confident and saying it, and then she's like, "Yes, what he said is true." And yeah, that's also a way of living. Is where like okay, let's just tell the kids so that way we all have an answer and we can just move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have these really smart kids that are gonna continue to ask questions yeah like yeah yeah the the young astronomers are trying to contact the alien and they're also the ones that get the news out about the alien in the first place it's like one of them works at his school newspaper so he's like i gotta call my buddy and get him to (laughs) get him to run this story and then the younger kids that are in maya hawk's class um they like actually make stuff like the the one kid is like i made a spaceship of like the or like this is my model Model. of the spaceship and the one girl has a a drawing of the alien and then another boy writes a whole song that he sings with the cowboy band it's (laughs) It's such a good song too yeah Yeah, cowboys were the best they had no reason to be there there's absolutely no reason for them but they were just so good just to move things along Uh, yeah rupert friend who plays montana Mm -hmm. um whenever he is walking you can hear spurs Mm -hmm. because he's a cowboy but he's not. not wearing spurs. <laughs> it's just another one of those elements, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just yeah. I also liked in the the switch back and forth between like the the play and the meta stuff about the play that Rupert Friend Montana like sounds like a cowboy, yeah. and then they go to the actor that's playing Montana, and he's like just fully British, yeah, which, like wearing a Rupert Br- Friend is British, yeah, so yeah. just like, like black turtleneck, like exactly like we yeah. think of like an actor, yeah. <laughs> no, because we, like we when we watched it and like we first. Just like really see Rupert Friend's face. I'm like, I think that's the guy who plays the Grand Inquisitor in the Obi Wan Kenobi TV show, <laughs> and it was. But he's just like this Southern cowboy. It's just like, hello, Miss. I'm yeah. Montana, ma'am. Ma'am. <laughs> you said that, and that's all I could think of for the rest of the movies. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, uh, the ending? Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the line that they keep repeating before, like, the epilogue scene happens and you see, like, Augie in the, in the diner with his family, um, it gets kind of chaotic because the alien comes back. Um, the general says they're going to have to go under quarantine again. Everyone kind of erupts in chaos because they don't want to be held by the military. Mm-hmm. Sure, I feel that. Um, and then Augie, where the actor playing Augie, is like, wait a second, I don't get it. And he that's when he leaves the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then he has a conversation with Margot Robbie, who was the actress who was playing his wife whose scene got cut in the in the play so we never see her in the movie but they still use her photo and then there's a great scene between them there's a yeah it's a cameo and i'm actually this i as we've been talking i keep thinking about this scene Mm -hmm. this scene is going to change my score okay um (laughs) she she recites their whole dialogue from the scene that was cut back to him um and this is kind of like also breaking the is it the eighth wall at this point i don't <laughs> oh, know many walls, yeah. yeah like because that was when he he walked past brian cranston which so means like he's, he's not in the show he's anymore. left the framing of the show but we are still seeing what's happening yeah mm-hmm. um, and margot robbie to me feels like the one person wes anderson said you don't have to act like you're in a wes anderson film mm-hmm. yeah like margot robbie great actor mm-hmm. and like just this scene because she was able to act the way that you can in most other things versus Jason Schwartzman still acting in a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. The juxtaposition of that was just so grand that it just was like, oh, wow. And they're on like opposing balconies across an alleyway. There's a chasm between them. Yeah. It's kind of Romeo and Juliet, I guess. So back to Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they're also from two different shows, which are, yeah, yeah, she's she's on the balcony from a different theater yeah. doing a different yeah. show during so, her break. So it's even more meta because she's dressed up as Queen Elizabeth the first, and like, yeah. so she's in a completely different time period. Um, and they both went out to balconies to um, have a smoke. Jason Schwartzman left everything because he was like, "Am I doing it right? Am I doing like? Yeah. Um, I don't fully know if I'm doing the right thing because his the actor that's playing Augie is a new actor, so he's like kind of." unsure about himself um and then margot robbie just like basically as an actor to actor and then also as like dead wife to augie like gives him permission to move on and to like just do whatever feels natural the amount of levels that like that one scene yeah crossed like emotional plane yeah for that character playing multiple characters Mm -hmm. or that actor playing multiple characters was yeah they also like they briefly mention it as a part of that scene but like they say that their whole thing was cut for time basically but then they also say that like um the play at one point goes to the aliens home planet and that's either cut also for time or we just don't see it because we're in the framing device yeah. and so like the play is still going on while we're in the yeah. the brian cranston verse <laughs> and so there's just so much and it, I, I yeah, like, it's so detailed. I, I like <laughs> yeah. that like, they're like, it was cut for time. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jason Schwartzman isn't even supposed to be off of stage. No, the he play's just, going on. He just doesn't have a line for about six minutes. So he's able to time it. So like, it. there is a time crunch, and she, and then they're with the actor who got cut for time crunch, and that's just... 
Yeah. It was big. It was big, yeah. big, small scene. Um, it was. So I, right now I can't quite remember how they get from that to then this next sequence. Like he goes back into the play, kind of. But then there's like a whole thing of then it's showing a bunch of cuts of like they're all in like the, the basically like actors writing room. Or it's an acting class. The acting they're class. an acting class who is... The, the the teacher of that class is Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Like that we haven't super, yeah. we, we said he was in it, but. The writer basically <laughs> is stuck on, he wants to include this dream sequence where they, they go to the alien home planet. He wants to include the dream sequence in the play. And then he goes to Willem Dafoe for help with that because he has writer's block and then meets Adrian Brody there. And so it kind of goes out of order, I guess, because we've already seen Adrian Brody at that point. I don't know. But as part of that then it kind of turns into oh they they mentioned that edward norton like the writer died in a car crash Mm -hmm. so then they kind of frame him in the writer classroom again um as like it kind of seemed like it was going to be an in memoriam section of like look at this man's legacy but then they all start uh repeating you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep it's Um, it's a it's a really weird scene for Wes Anderson. I mean, it's supposed to be like the dream scene, basically. Yeah. Because like he does a bunch of Dutch angles. The lighting gets like really harsh when like spotlights and. It's mm-hmm. the most and least. The color Wes changes. Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it's like, yeah, the harsh spotlights, and then there's also the camera like moves really close into mm-hmm. people's faces. It's not the stationary camera that we typically see from him. It's still a lot of action and then the alien is also there as a man in a costume um but part of that article from tour that i mentioned earlier is called wes anderson's asteroid city tests the boundaries of dreams the whole thing is really interesting it talks about how like um how people have used art as um a protest tool before and uh, specifically like charlie chaplin and a couple other things like making fun of uh dictators and just how art is and isn't a useful tool um and it has this whole thing uh where it says art by itself cannot topple dictators or reverse global warming or feed the starving but it is also something i think we need we need the artifice we need the abstraction we need the openings that lead us to look beyond the work itself in a into a consideration of our own condition and the condition of the world around us we need to fall asleep to dream so that we can finally awaken enriched and with a better appreciation of who we are and what we need to do just the whole article was really interesting about like the the dream element inside the Wes Anderson movie and how the ending is really a whole focus of that. And also then it gets meta again of the writer of that article was like, I was stuck on how to write this article and then I went to sleep on it. And then when I woke up the next morning, <laughs> I had a better idea. So it's just very interesting of the, the all of it coming together. And it's yeah. kind of, it's not a clear answer of like what it wants you to think but Mm -hmm. everything is up in the air including the the meta-ness of the movie i also have a hard time believing that the real world in this was a real world because Mm -hmm. the amount of times that the main character takes off a fake mustache and just sticks it behind his back (laughs) into a hammer space (laughs) yeah there's no way like it, it happened so many times where i was just like is this real life? Because it just disappears. Yeah. 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 Well, even when you're in that, I mean, I guess that's the play about the, what, or the TV show about the whatever, where Adrian yeah. Brody, who's the director of the play, 
uh, is acting and his wife is like leaving him or whatever and he's like punching a punching he's, bag but it's not there There's but no, it's also it's right next to a real punching yeah. bag yeah yes. and he's like da 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 while he's doing it mm-hmm. yeah but he doesn't actually punch the punch it's like yeah yeah bizarre almost the levels mm-hmm. that they go to to yeah. like be like this isn't real but is yeah. it real but this is more real than that is real but this is less real than yeah this. it's also uh the actor that plays augie um he augie puts his hand on a uh like grill or like a hot plate basically and he burns his hand and the actor is like why does he do that and edward norton is like i don't know it just kind of happened and then um that continues through like the chaotic scene where he fully exits everything and he's like he goes up to adrian brody and he's like why does he burn his hand am i doing the right thing and then instead of like directly asking like what is the meaning of life and it's asking like what is the play about Mm -hmm. like am i doing it right like am i am i doing life correctly yeah Yeah, i mean even just like this thing that is obviously something that hurts him Mm -hmm. like why did i do that why would i hurt myself yeah and so then you have these layers of like if what is the meaning of life or what is the meaning of the play but then it's like edward norton in a way is god but then god dies at some point yeah and then now we're left with we have the director and we have the t we have all these other Mm -hmm. like devices that are helping us continue to work out whatever life is or whatever this play is Mm -hmm. uh or this narrative is but we don't have like and then if we did have access to the creator of everything is he just going to be like, I don't know. He just kind of did it. Like, I don't know why Yeah, I did it. Like, even that character doesn't have answers for everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. It's a good yeah. <laughs> So I, I was going to start preaching there for a second. No, just... you're very understandable. <laughs> Should we talk about production facts? Sure. Unless there's anything else that we can think of, specific things it's we want to mention. It's such an in-depth movie. We I could don't talk think forever there's any yeah. way we could talk about all of it. Like, unless, yeah. unless we put the movie on and just go scene by scene and then pause, and pause it, it yeah. and yeah. talk about it and yeah. then play and then you know that's like a whole day's worth of a podcast yeah so if you want that let us know and we'll put Subscribe it on patreon, patreon yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah oh, Bryce? No, does this is my first Wes anderson movie as we've established mm-hmm. uh does he you commonly use a lot of like visual yes. um <laughs> like oh what am i trying to think of like foreshadowing or like the uh space cadets and uh stargazers like does he use a lot of those kind of more visual jokes oh yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. his, his visual jokes are yeah. huge um yeah. he's not i feel like he's not known as like a comedian but or like at least when you think of wes anderson you think of the style of everything mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily think about like this is funny but I consider them comedies, but yeah. like I most also, of them are comedies. Yeah, I would also say that like maybe maybe that's why my grandfather sees the West <laughs> Anderson influence because like I always say that like everything that we make is comedy even when it's not funny. Yeah, just because I think it's funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. like if 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 we write something where I know this scene isn't funny, mm-hmm. there will always be something in that scene that I find funny. Yeah, and so maybe that's just that type of comedy, I guess. But that's realistic comedy even though wes anderson isn't really yeah realistic there are so yes short answer and there are layers to everything that he does including the visual stuff yeah i think mm-hmm. uh it's hard to give like a specific example off the top of my head um i feel like a lot of it is kind of related to like 
again with the adult child dynamic of like an adult will say something to a kid to kind of reassure them and then there's some sort of visual cue of like they actually have no idea what they're talking about yeah yeah Yeah. i i asked because this had a whole meta thing with it and i was wondering if it if that works with his other plots as well yeah i was just as we were you guys were just talking i was just thinking about like each i was just like chronologically going through wes anderson's movies or whatever and i was just like yeah that touches on that like literally every single one of them touches on that and has like some layer of a narrative device that helps frame acting out real life Mm -hmm. to some degree and uh then using all these visual motifs and jokes and everything just to point out both the absurdity and like silliness of everything Mm -hmm. but in a such a dry way where if you're watching it and you're expecting it to be like uh like super bad or something where it's just like yeah. Yeah. boom 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 joke 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 it's not that necessarily even though even just see, reading the lines that you read in the trailer it's like some of those are hilarious lines but mm. when i hear them i'm not like cracking up yeah like the um the midge at the communal shower thing again like she's talking about like thing that was really impactful in her career and then she's like i don't know why no one else liked yeah. it like that's such a backhanded compliment right, to get yeah. and she's also like pretty insecure about where her career is at or like she keeps saying it's such a shame that she's known for dramatic roles and no one knows that she's actually really funny and uh yeah it's just it's not necessarily like yeah laugh out loud or like someone is gonna get kicked in the nuts or whatever but it's it's all very funny throughout yeah yeah. Now production facts? Now production facts. Let's do right. it. It was released June 15th, 2023. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. An hour and 45 minute runtime. It's rated PG-13. It was originally given an R rating, but then uh, that decision was appealed. Um, Which it, is, it w- is wild to me because there is, I mean, it's super fast, super brief. And I know that's why the appeal was, was given. Yeah. But there is full frontal nudity. Yeah. But it is, again, super fast, super brief. Yeah. I want to say that they used the the argument that it was a play, therefore art, therefore totally okay. It's I also th- like, it's not gratuitous nudity. Like, it doesn't need to be there, but it's also not like doing the typical male gaze thing of like, awooga, like, <laughs> look at lady. Well, it's also interesting because like, Scarlett Johansson is talking about this nude scene that she did, yeah. and then she's like, I... Uh, she says, do you want to see me do that? Yeah. And then yeah. Jason Schwartzman was like, you could have used a, a body double. Yeah. And she's like, I don't like to do that. But in making this movie, they used a body double. Yeah. Which it, is interesting to mm-hmm. me because she has done nudity before. Oh, I did not know that. Um, that whole well, Some thing. of us know that. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I have Google. <laughs> uh, that whole thing of like basically her asking him do you want to see me naked in a professional capacity and he's like yes um she does the the whole scene with the towel on and then she takes it off after the scene because then they kind of have a brief romance and that's like a yeah will they won't they continue outside of here thing anyway pg-13 rating um the ratings for it were lower than i thought they would be honestly uh but it's 75 percent on rotten tomatoes with a 62 percent audience score 75 on metacritic and a b on cinema score i think it's just a thinker the uh critic consensus on rotten tomatoes was asteroid city is unlikely to win wes anderson many new converts but those who respond to his signature style will find this a return to immaculately arranged form i think that's goes back to what you're saying at the very beginning of like 
this is your first Wes Anderson movie. It's Maybe not what I would start. You it's with. not a great intro to Wes Anderson in general. I mean, it's got me hooked. I didn't yeah. want to watch any of his other f- movies. Now I do. You should. Mm-hmm. You'd like them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it had a budget of twenty-five million dollars. Was it a success? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would assume that it would still be. Yeah. The marketing I felt like was really big for this movie. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it at the box office as of recording. Um, it's at fifty one point five million. Um, it has twenty about twenty eight million of that from U S and Canada, and the rest is worldwide. Um, it's the highest opening for a Wes Anderson film wide release of his mm-hmm. career, and then according to Wikipedia, um, in its limited opening weekend, it made eight hundred and fifty three thousand three hundred eighty two dollars from six theaters, finishing in tenth. Its per venue average of $142,230 was the best total since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic and the largest since La La Land in 2016. Hmm. So these aren't the most dramatic numbers, but those are like pretty good stats (laughs) to have with your movie. It's the first time that I I went to to the theater to see a Wes Anderson movie and I I went to Esquire, which is a local art house theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was... For, it was opening night and i feel like i've seen other movies of his on opening night but this one it the, just the energy was different and people were dressed up like wes anderson character cosplaying to oh, see the movie and then some people were like dressed up like they were going to camp like it was just that's fun very and it was packed like there wasn't a mm-hmm. uh seat in the house and so i was just like huh is wes anderson like catching on in some different way because it was a lot of like younger people like i'm in my 30s i'm an old person but like <laughs> like people that are in their teens and early 20s and i was just like oh that's cool that he's having another wave of impact like i knew he was still very respected but mm-hmm. yeah it's good to see that financially it's still working out too. yeah there's that also that i don't know if it was tiktok or instagram trend of uh like shooting random things in life as a wes anderson yeah. film yeah. so i think it that also kind of yeah. brought it back a bit his imagery has definitely caught on or like his name associated with the style is definitely big with with the youths on <laughs> yeah. various platforms and stuff. I feel like also on TikTok or something there was like a for a while there was a trend with the soundbite of um like from Fantastic Mr. Fox of one of the monologues that he gives to his wife and he's like your eyes look great in the moonlight or something like that. Mm. And it's just people dressed up as Wes Anderson characters. And then they do that. Yeah, speaking yeah. to a camera. Yeah. Hmm. Um yeah like we mentioned bill murray was supposed to be the motel manager but got COVID and was unable to film and then steve carell was available to replace murray uh at the last second and appeals appears in the film um i feel like steve carell was better for this specific character i agree just because he's trying so hard to please everyone Mm. and bill murray doesn't do that Usually, no, if, usually. It, if it was bill murray i feel like all of the scenes would have come across more sarcastic yeah yeah Bill Murray is def- or Steve Carell is definitely genuine and like yeah. can I get you anything like I also feel like because Bill Murray is Bill Murray he is the way that he is mm-hmm. um he is always the one given the exception to act how he wants to act and not specifically how Wes Anderson wants to act yeah um I mean Steve Zeus Zeus yeah. Life Aquatic Life yeah. Aquatic he's I don't know he doesn't quite fit in like he is still this big i mean the character calls for that yeah. so like it makes sense um fantastic mr fox is maybe the closest where i could see 
him be, maybe it would be easier to direct him because it was like a voice acting thing and so yeah. it's like just read the lines have you have you seen royal tenenbaums i have but it's been a while his he's gwyneth paltrow who's one of the tenenbaums uh he's her husband and he's like a uh like a therapist or a psychologist oh, yeah, or whatever yeah. and he also is a professor but he's just very demure and very like removed but it's like kind of in line with his just move at that around that time mm-hmm. like around the early 2000s to being like okay i'm old now and i'm <laughs> like the dry guy i'm like dry yeah. and just like <laughs> i'm emotionally distant but mm-hmm. yeah uh yeah yeah that's like the only other time but yeah he can kind of just be himself a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah um so Bill Murray, he, he got COVID like four days before shooting was supposed to start. Dude, Steve Carell was like, I'll fly out to Madrid. They were like, we can't move any of our schedule. Like, we have to start yeah. shooting now. And then it was kind of a mad dash of like, who can we replace? And then Steve Carell happened to be available. So then it was just immediate. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, so once his isolation ended and everything, Bill Murray still went to Spain after he covered and kind of just like hung out on set. And Wes Anderson was like, yeah, he was just kind of like giving pep talks to the whole crew and was good for morale, which like I know they're they're good buds at this point because they work together in so many stuff. But I'm just like, what kind? I don't know if like positivity is necessarily the vibe that I get all the time from Bill Murray. Like, I think he's a I I, he's very cool. I wish that he was a good person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So Wes Anderson made a character for Bill Murray called Jock Larkings, who is the head of the Larkings laboratory. That's like the scientific facility that's near the crater and everything. Um, and then so Jock Larkings and also Tab Whitney, who would be the actor playing Jock Larkings. Um, Great names. Yeah. Uh, but there was never a good scene to include Jock in. So he just had like this character profile ready to go and could never squeeze him in anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing that they filmed before they were going to tear things down um, was a video in the style of like an old Hollywood promo between Bill Murray and Jason Schwartzman. Um, their actors playing the characters that would be in the play. Um, and it's Wes Anderson said, we made this very peculiar thing that it's just a spontaneous creation before the set was going to be struck down. It was the last thing we did. And then we put all our things in the golf cart and drove off into the sunset. <laughs> um, and then that, clip was used as a promo video for the movie it's very stilted and there's things of like bill murray has note cards as like hi i'm tab whitney i'm here to tell you about the fantastic picture asteroid city (laughs) and then like uh jason schwartzman walks in and he's like great to see you tab and then just kind of walk together um and it adds to the more meta-ness because yeah. it's like stilted on purpose and it there are parts where they like miss their cues of where they're supposed to stand so they awkwardly like shuffle around <laughs> each other before continuing the dialogue it's just very good um also another person who doesn't appear in this movie michael Sarah, at one point was in negotiations yeah, to star. yeah I, was just, I feel like he's another person that when i hear when I heard that, I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah. I but they, they didn't see who he was going to be. So who do you I have think no idea. Wes Anderson or was going to have Michael Sarah? I'm going to go back to the cast list. Um, I would think it would be that one guy from the Spider-Man. Uh, my thought was the assistant as well. Yeah. Mm. The 
the assistant to the general. Which we haven't even mentioned him, oh, but yeah. he's like yeah, the, he's the like the main dude from Grand Budapest. Yeah. 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 I could see that it being Michael Sarah. I think uh, it's the, the crazy thing is like with Wes Anderson and with like, it could be anyone. It could be, could be anybody because yeah, it could be Tilda Swinton. Yeah, it could be like it's true. It could have been one of the parents. It could have been. I could see him being one of the parents. I think he's instead of Leave Schreiber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been an interesting different yeah choice, but of a, a very nervous parent instead yeah. of a very strict one. Yeah. <laughs> but I could still see him having like the porn star stash. Uh-huh. Yeah, and just being or anxious. he could have been Steve Carell. Maybe it's true. Yeah. Uh, not the motel manager. He plays Steve Carell. Um, yeah. So the crew of the movie includes a lot of Wes Anderson's uh, longtime collaborators. Yeah. We've kind of mentioned with the cast of like, there's a lot of repeat faces. Um, so Alexander Desplat, I think that's how you pronounce it, is the composer. This is his sixth Wes Anderson movie. Roman Coppola is a writer, and then he's credited as a writer and producer on several other movies, including Moonrise Kingdom, Isle of Dogs, Darjeeling Limited. Uh, Robert D. Yeoman is the cinematographer, Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Budapest Hotel, The French Dispatch. Uh, Milena Canonero is the costume designer. She's won four Oscars. Um, she worked on The French Dispatch, Grand Budapest Hotel, Life Aquatic, etc., etc., and uh, others, including the editor and the production designer, have worked with him on a lot. So he's got like his specific group. We were mentioning earlier, like surprised that the neither of the wilson brothers were yeah. involved in this movie he's got a specific group for his specific vision <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean the music is amazing i think i love the score mm-hmm. and i think he's always had really unique scores uh i don't know i guess it's maybe the last six movies that alexander Desplat has done or not i i hadn't paid attention enough because i know mark mothersbaugh who was from the band Devo mm-hmm. uh, and also did like a lot of the Nickelodeon cartoon like Rugrats and stuff oh. uh, he did the score for like first four or five films maybe gotcha. interesting and it's like once you know that then you can hear it you're like oh yeah that sounds like the Rugrats theme <laughs> <laughs> I might be that might be aging too I don't know you guys no we would I like Rugrats, Rugrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. all right all right uh, rating shall we talk about our, our rating sure for our film here mm-hmm. um we have a four rating system with five options mm-hmm. zero out of four is oh no <laughs> what have they done my god what's an example of a zero has there been a zero yet not uh, an official not one that we've talked about on the podcast okay. but mm-hmm. we have watched okay well i'll save that one for yeah. you've watched at least one yeah yeah uh one out of four is that was a movie mm-hmm Two out of four is that's a well-made movie. Mm-hmm. Three out of four is an enjoyable and kind of technically good mm-hmm. movie. Four is Oscar worthy. Right? Yeah. My original thing was three out of four. Mm-hmm. I watched it and I was like, I don't know. I'm just not quite feeling it. It was really good. Mm-hmm. But then I thought about it more and we discussed it. Mm-hmm. And I do think it was a four out of four for me. Wow. Changing it in real time. Yeah. yeah. IRL. And like I it's said. It's just I, like the movie. I, I think it really was that Margot Robbie scene, just thinking about it yeah. more. I was just like, and I didn't give it enough credit for how much. Like, obviously, he puts tons of thoughts into his movies. Yeah. But this one just seemed so out there. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Yeah. It's very, uh, like, everything that's in it is very clearly intentionally in yep. it. Um, I also gave it a four out of four. Um, I was thinking about it and, like, kind of hesitant to give it a four out of four. But then I was thinking about it more. It's like, the only reason... 
I'm hesitant to do it is because it would be the first one that we would give on the podcast. He's like, no, this seems like I have no specific complaints. Um, I think it's it's good overall. The only thing that like maybe I have an issue with is like I I guess it's not uh, like a good Wes Anderson intro movie, but then you can't just like pick it up immediately and sit through it or you can clearly. But I yes. thought it was a great intro yeah. movie. <laughs> I will say it's a four out of four for me. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite movie we've seen this year. No. Um, eventually we will talk about that movie, uh, but we're trying to do something special with that one. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sean, what what would you give this movie? Um, I would also give it four out of four. Four out of four. Um, I think it does everything that I like. There's not a moment in the movie that I feel like oh I don't want this here even the silly parts and Mm i think i have watched it a couple of times Mm -hmm. since it came out and it is uh it rewards on repeat viewings because of the layers yeah Mm -hmm. and there's things that i get to find out even in this conversation things that i learn and then i'm like oh now when i watch it again i'll have that and i think that that's really uh something special especially for a comedy Mm -hmm. yeah that's the thing that when we were like us is wes anderson doing comedy or not and i think he definitely is but it feels like he's doing it in that like shakespearean in this way that is more transcendent than just like uh, airplane or something like that which is very funny and i love airplane both are good options for comedy but the (laughs) and that's going to give great repeat viewings but just because you're like i remember everything yeah wes anderson's you're going to be like oh man this line now now this line now this character now this (laughs) framing device mm-hmm. and yeah yeah so i could keep gushing but i was thinking about other things like modern versions of like besides rosencrantz and guildenstern of like other things that i've done a framing device and like uh my brain unfortunately immediately went to like oh it's like monster mash <laughs> if it's a song <laughs> about the song yeah. monster yeah. mash <laughs> bryce what, what would you give this movie yeah for the narrative device of the vending machines <laughs> the vending machines are great yeah which we haven't even talked about four out of four because like what i loved about this movie was no one wanders off for no reason yeah there's like, always the, a purpose people are somewhere even if it's just for the ridiculous vending machine of buying a small plot yeah. of land just mm-hmm. to get people off to the side there's a reason why they're now off to the side and can speak candidly yeah, yeah. uh and also i like sci-fi and yeah. it was a thinker and I, I liked it and nice vibe to it mm-hmm. well this this marks our first perfect score movie <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't sing that we don't have the right there you go <laughs> you gotta change like the last <laughs> note <laughs> <laughs> played backwards you will um so that's that's our discussion about that movie as always we talk about another movie that we've watched recently recently mm-hmm. um i think the movie that we're going to talk about is uh attack the block have oh yeah seen? i love attack the block have you seen it it's been yeah. a while but i it's uh a it's, it's a 2012 movie i think um about aliens invading but they basically invade this little 2011 
2011. Okay, this yeah. little block in London. Mm-hmm. Um, we got John Boyega. It's John Boyega. Star Wars. And John it's, Boyega. it's sort of what like discovered him, I guess. And like it's it's really like the first like big. Th- I mean, he was the lead in it. Um, Jodie Whittaker is also in it, and she plays the Doctor and Doctor Who. Um, and then Nick Frost. Nick is Frost the other is big in name. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's another guy in it who is in the CW. Uh, yeah, Firestorm. Yeah, he plays Firestorm. Oh. I was like, is that Firestorm? It is. Luke Treadway? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, not Luke Treadway. Not Luke Treadway? No, up. Go up. He, Franz, Franz Dramé. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah it's, it's a really fun movie. I mean, it's comedic. It's horror-esque. It's sci-fi. Um, it's basically what would happen if Alien happened in a little London apartment complex yeah mm. like that's really the plot of it <laughs> um but it's really fun too. it's really fun yeah. and really well made yeah like it's definitely a low budget movie like you can tell um yeah. but it was still really well made i know the director is friends with edgar wright and nick frost and all of them because he's helped work basically any movie edgar wright has ever made this director has a special thanks credit <laughs> Was it Joe Cornish? Is that? Uh, it might be. Yeah. Forget the director's name. Yes. Yeah, Joe Cornish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, he like hasn't, to my knowledge, made anything as good as like I just feel like he start in terms of his director. Yeah, director he. I know, records. like he. Uh, what was it? Um, he's written. Yeah. yeah. Really well, but the directing stuff. It's like the kid would be king. I think mm-hmm. he directed that, which. Which I never saw. I never watched, but it was like one of those movies that looks like a direct to DVD movie, I guess. Like, I don't don't mean to be rude, but. um, Yeah, he doesn't have other major credits to his name besides uh, or before Attack the Block. Then there's like a this Hot Fuzz the Fuzzball rally, like I guess a short promotional video or something. Yeah, Yeah. I think he is mainly a writer who is probably trying to do direct Attack the Block (gasps) 2 really upcoming interesting interesting yeah that would be cool yeah you got to just see in it's real like a time later all of us learn something yeah. mm-hmm. well whoever's whoever the camera was on at the moment that's true hopefully it was a good face <laughs> i hope it was it was on bryce actually the whole time <laughs> Bryce <laughs> was just pensively <laughs> <just, laughs> <laughs> 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 uh yeah so that's that's i think our other movie that we've watched recently. i really like the aliens how they look in that movie yeah they're basically furry mouths mouths <laughs> that glow in the dark yeah that's kind of they don't have eyes yeah they they look okay, so it's a person in a furry not furry suit but a suit <laughs> that is furry <laughs> and clearly they're they have stilts for their arms so that they can like move like a horse basically <laughs> i very much appreciate when people do practical effects mm-hmm. yeah and uh makeup and stuff like yeah. that like instead of cgi um, they only made two of the costumes so like there are scenes when there are tons of them so like they're superimposed mm-hmm. but they are still real it's not like star wars prequels where all of the clones are cgi the entire time yeah. and they never made any real suits mm-hmm. they made the real suits they just couldn't make 50 of them yeah so that makes sense falling yeah. on a budget yeah yeah it was yeah it was impressive mm-hmm. I, it was a fun movie for some reason when we watched it it was super quiet yeah we had we had to up our volume up to like in the 60s and typically we're down in the 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 20s 
if Maybe. that yeah <laughs> it's a big it, it was weird yeah it was like what's wrong what's happening yeah i think it's probably an amazon issue it's not the movie issue probably but yeah mm-hmm. so i think that brings us probably right to the end of today's episode i know it was a long one but i actually really like that it was a long one because typically when it's a movie that we like we don't talk about it as much yeah so I'm glad that we did talk about it a lot because mm-hmm. I want to also be positive. I don't want to just critique movies forever and then be like, yeah, we like this movie. See you next week. Yeah. Right. So I do like that this one was longer and it was definitely longer because we had the guests. So there's more people to talk. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but I think it's worth it. So if you if you stuck it through, thank you so much for watching. There's and listening. a lot to cover in this movie. specifically. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even cover all of it. Yeah. If you haven't seen it. I really recommend you you see it, even if like you're like, well, you guys kind of talked about it. It doesn't it doesn't even scratch the surface of what really like you get out from watching it. Yeah. So I just want to say one more thing about it mm-hmm. that we didn't say. Tilda mm-hmm. Swinton has a line where she, I think it's Tilda Swinton. Actually, now I'm blanking, but it's just one of my favorite lines in the movie where she says, I never had kids, but sometimes I think. I, I wish wish I should have. Yeah. No, yeah. that was a great line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this movie has tons of one-liners that I just love. Uh, when the general gets a letter from the president, he reads it and he goes, now the president's upset with me. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, what a silly, like, it's silly like a, line. It's a very formal, like, a telegram has come in. And yeah. it's just one line of, like, dad's mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After all the other pres- presidential letters he yeah. gets, yeah. he, like, reads it top to bottom, yeah. very thorough. And this one, he's just like, well... He's pissed. Yeah. He's got me in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's things we could just keep going in. It, yeah. 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 So thank you so much for watching this one. We know it was a longer one. Mm-hmm. Please, if you if you want more of this kind of content, please follow us on all of our things. Our Instagram is virtual underscore cocktail. Mm-hmm. YouTube, we have virtual cocktail and virtual cocktail recordings. Our Patreon is just virtual cocktail. Patreon is really big because that means we can do more, right? If you are able to help with that then we can have a bigger budget for the productions that we make Mm -hmm. and i know that this isn't like a huge production but there's stuff that we could do with that for example pay us (laughs) we could we could pay ourselves we yeah (laughs) so please follow some places thank you so much and leave questions and comments Mm -hmm. on things because then we'll we'll answer them on our other podcasts virtual house sessions where it's sort of just a community podcast and we 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 give updates on stuff we're working on and yeah things like stuff, that. stuff that's mm-hmm. happened and, and whatnot anything you want to plug sean oh i'm having a baby yeah dropping that album uh <laughs> thanksgiving so you know i hope you're on the lookout for that uh <laughs> yeah don't drop famously well, you're not supposed to drop things. uh famously you're not supposed to but like infamously infamously you can do whatever you want baby yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna be cutting an umbilical cord is what i'm trying to say yeah nice. and i'm still trying to wrap my head around that because yeah. it just sounds like i'm gonna be like ew 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 <laughs> and then it sounds gross to me yeah so i'm having that but you can follow me on uh <laughs> instagram at sean braley s-h-a-w-n-b-r-a-l-e-y and i'll probably post about some of that stuff i just said which among <laughs> other things which i do stand-up comedy yeah i run uh the comedy shows here at commonwealth sanctuary and i um also talk a lot about my dog so mm-hmm. yeah which Lots wes of. anderson movie will you show your baby first oh man probably fantastic mr Fox. that makes yeah. sense yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. all right well thank you everyone for watching and listening <laughs> and we will see you next week yep. <laughs>